Are you ready for the Word? I am looking forward to sharing this with you today. For those that are visiting, my name is John. I am the lead pastor here at the Gathering Place Church. I love this church. And I love this book. And may God speak to us strongly out of it today. Hey, Josh, can you uh, get me a, uh, where'd you go? All right, no, actually, I, I need a, um, another music stand. Uh, this one's not wide enough for my Bible and my laptop, so. A couple uh, testimonies real quick. Every week, we love to hear what Jesus is doing, not just what he did a couple thousand years ago, but what he has done this past week. Amen? Because our God is alive and real and loves us and is answering our prayers and is still doing great things in the earth. And so this morning, um, I got a great one just walking in. So um, I was speaking to Val Higgins, and she said that she's had what she called an angry back. Anybody ever had an angry back? <laughs> never, <laughs> never heard that term, but I like it. She said, right about here, on an angry back, right about there. And she said she had done all sorts of heat treatments and all sorts of vibration treatments and everything she just couldn't turn her neck at all <laughs> and so last sunday we called the prayer teams down at the end of every service we called uh teams down here that'll pray for you over anything in your life and we're, we trust jesus for miracles and she said that rachel yeah there you are and uh, little princess wave and she uh said that you laid your hand on her back and you said i command in the name of jesus uh, your vertebrae to your spine, your vertebrae, right? To, to, line, to, to align itself. And they both heard Val's back go. <laughs> and she said, did you hear that? And she go, I heard it. And then all of a sudden Val was able to turn her neck. And that was last Sunday. And I just got the testimony this Sunday. Isn't that awesome? That's just so beautiful. Jesus, we thank you for your power, your supernatural expressions of your goodness and grace in our church. We are forever thankful for the things that you're doing. Today, I want to talk to you about uh, the glory of God again. We're in a series called The Glory of God. Jesus said to me at the turn of this year that we are going to see his glory this year. And we see glimpses of it like that testimony you just heard. But there are many different ways that we see God's glory. Much of the time we see God's glory in process. You see little measures of it along the way. Little glimpses of it. And last week I I taught a message called, The One Thing That Glorifies God Most. And what I focused on was the word trust. And what we learned, and you can catch this message online, what we learned is that the reason trust glorifies God most is because God has given us a partnership with Him. God rules all of heaven, but it says He gave the earth to men and women, to human beings. He delegated the authority of the earth to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve screwed up. The enemy has been wreaking havoc ever since. But then God came to the earth in the form of a man, Jesus Christ, broke the devil's power, died, took our sin, sickness, and disease to the grave with him, then broke the power of death, rose from the dead, and then he says, all authority, all authority has been given to me in heaven 
and on earth. And then he said to his followers, now go in my name, preaching the gospel to everybody. And then he says this, that they that believe in my name, they shall lay hands on the sick. They shall speak in new tongues. They shall cast out demons. And, and I'm with you everywhere you go. So we now carry the baton to destroy the works of the devil in the earth, setting people free and bringing them to Jesus for salvation. So your trust in that, your trust in God, your trust in the gospel, your trust in God's faithfulness, your trust that God hears your prayers is what releases heaven on earth so that God can reveal his glory to the human race through your prayers. But that can trip us up because we can think, oh my gosh, it's all dependent upon me. It's all dependent on my faith, on my trust. Well... To a large measure, that's true. But here's the good thing about trust. Trust grows. Trust isn't automatic. Trust grows. In relationships, right? Do you just trust people automatically, yes or no? No, of course not. Or if you do, you learn not to, right? And that's unfortunate that we live in, live in a broken world where we have to make people earn our trust, but it's very important because we have to be self-protective in this world. The problem is we carry that over to our relationship with God. You know that the psalmist says this, it's a great verse. He said, you taught me to trust upon my mother's breast. In other words, he's saying that the way God has, God helps us trust him is from the moment we are born, And God has designed it so that a mother can nurse her child. And the position of the child to be nursed is for the child to look right into the eyes of the mother. And the distance from the eyes of the mother to the eyes of the child is a perfect 18 inches away, which is the vision capacity of an infant. And so there's the infant looking into the face of the mother, eyeball to eyeball, we're in nursing from the mother's breast and that place of nutrients and nurturing and safety and gentleness is where we learn to trust. God designed it that way. It's life that screws it all up. It's other people that inject themselves and hurt us or don't do things for us they should have or do two th- things to us they shouldn't have that begins to damage that trust. And God understands that. That is why when God comes into our lives, he understands where we're at, meets us where we're at, and then he inches us forward by revealing his glory measure by measure, little by little, over and over and over until we come to a place where we are able to fully trust again. It's a beautiful process. It takes a lifetime. I want to look at an example of this in the Bible today from a guy who's called the father of our faith. His name is Abraham. He was the first gospel man in the Bible. Jesus, God preached the gospel to Abraham 4,000 years ago. The gospel didn't just hit the planet when Jesus came to the earth. The gospel was first preached to Abraham, the Bible says. And I want us to look at the end game. I want us to look at the end of Abraham's life and the testimony he had. So let's begin there. In the book of Romans, and in chapter 4, 
It says this, verse 20, and he, Abraham, did not waver. Everybody say waver. Now everybody knows what wavering is, right? It's like you're in and you're out. You're strong and then you're weak. You're hot and then you're cold. You believe and then you don't, right? That's wavering, right? Any girls ever have a boyfriend who's wavering in his commitment to the relationship? Anybody ever experienced that before? That's wavering. That's what I'm talking about, okay? God, he did not waver at the promise of God, which we're going to look at in a second. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. Unbelief is the opposite of trust. Unbelief is what causes us to waver. And so the goal in life is to carve out as much unbelief as we can so our faith can arise. Because faith is what connects you to the living God. The Bible literally says that we limit God through our unbelief. He has given you that power. Why? Because he's given you and I free will. We can say yes to God. We can say no to God. Because love isn't true love if you're made to love someone or something. That's not true love. That's coercion. God does not coerce anybody. He gives invitations because it has to be true love. So, God through so he did not waver at the promise through unbelief, but was strengthened. Everybody say this out loud with me. Strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Say that out loud again with me. Come on. Strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. We give glory to God. We give more glory to God. The more our faith grows and the more faith we have in God, the more glory we give to Him because, number one, others see your faith in God. When you're going through difficult trials, you can listen to last week's message. I dug deep into this. And they see you with contentment, peace, and joy, even when you're going through hell itself. They're like, how is that possible? What drugs are you on? Are you in complete denial? Have you lost it? Or are you, do you have a hold of something that I don't, I don't? Jesus said that he offers anybody who comes to him his peace. He said it's a peace you cannot get from the world. It's a, it's a transcendent peace that I, is my peace and I give it to everyone who comes to me. It's the first thing you will feel in your soul when you say yes to Jesus is his shalom, his wholeness, his peace in your soul. As you grow in faith to give glory to God, another reason is because the more you have faith in him, the more God can do in your life and the more miracles you have in your life and the more people can see God in your life through answered prayer. And then look at this next verse. And being, everybody say this last Say this out loud. And being what? Come on, say it out loud. Being what? Say it again. Being what? Fully convinced. convinced. That is the end game. That is the goal. That is what God wants from all of us as children. To one day come to the place where we are fully convinced. How do we get there from here? God brings us along.
So let's watch Abraham. Let's look at his story this morning, where he began and how he got to this place of being fully convinced to where God was able to make him the father of our faith. Amen? You ready to go with me? Okay, let's go to Genesis chapter 12, and let's look at Abraham's call. Genesis chapter 12. It's in the Old Testament, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, there it is. Genesis chapter 12. Now, the Lord had said to Abraham. Now, the Lord had said to Abram. His name wasn't Abraham yet. <coughs> Am I done? Okay, great. That reminds me. I'm going to set mine too. The Lord had said to Abraham. I'll I'll capitalize on that in a moment. Get out of your country. Now, look, here's Abram, and he's traveling with his dad. And they're traveling uh, through a familiar country, going to Haran, but... Their goal was to get to a land called Canaan. But Haran, but, but Terah's dad stopped in Haran, and that's where he died. He only got halfway to his destiny. And so then God speaks to Abram. Everybody say, God speaks. God speaks. Say it again, God speaks. God speaks. The Bible says that our faith comes from hearing the voice of God. When God speaks to you in His voice, whether it comes through the Bible and the Holy Spirit illuminates it, or it comes from the Holy Spirit speaking to you, or God speaks to you through somebody else, when you hear God's voice, when your spirit hears the voice of God, within His voice is a power cell of faith that's deposited inside of you that is enough faith for you to step out and obey God. I mean, here's Abram, doesn't even know who the Lord is. Abram's worshiping his dad's God, which is the God of the moon. So Abram's a moon worshiper. And yet, the Lord God Almighty steps out of heaven and speaks to this pagan guy, Abram. And he says, imagine this. Leave your country. Okay, I want you to imagine that for a second. In fact, would you do me a favor? Would you just close your eyes for a second? Just close your eyes. And I want you to imagine God has spoken to you. And he has said to you, leave your country. Bye-bye. United States. I'm leaving the United States of America forever. Keep your eyes closed. He says, and leave your family. You're saying goodbye to your brothers and your sisters, your mom and your dad, and your father's household. That would be your cousins, your aunts, your uncles, all your extended family. You see it? You feel it? You're leaving the United States. 
You're leaving your family. You're leaving all your extended family forever. Okay, open your eyes. You need to know you heard from God (laughs) if you're going to obey that voice. That is called trust. And he did it. Abraham screwed up a lot. But he did it. And here is the amazing thing. Look at this next phrase. The Lord said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land. And Abram's like, oh, good. Or at least you're going to tell me where I'm going. What's the payoff? Clearly, it's going to be a a lot better than what I'm leaving. Because you wouldn't just tell me to leave my country like when when God called Hope to leave Louisiana to come to San Diego. That was leaving her country. You know that, right? Because... I don't know if you know this or not, but California is not Louisiana. <laughs> she came out here and she was like, doo, 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 doo. I mean, it is different. I mean, when I went down to Louisiana way, the first time to meet her family, and they said, she said, oh, we're going to have a barbecue. I, I, how do you guys say that? Where's the accent? Is it bar- barbecue? We're going to have a barbecue. And so I thought, okay, we're going to have hamburgers and hot dogs. Oh my gosh. If it crawls, it was on the grill. I mean, I'll tell you what, Nana's back there, Miss Brenda. She, oh no, she's not. She's at home. She loves her alligator. Oh yeah. Every time she goes back, she's eating her alligator. God is saying to Abram, no more alligator, no more armadillos. You're leaving your family, you're leaving your culture, you're leaving your music, you're leaving your food, you're leaving your comfort zone completely to a land. Oh, good. What's the vision, God? Where am I going? What's he say? To a land that I will show you. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. How many of you have ever gotten a call from God before? Raise your hand. You've gotten a call from God and how many of it was a little ambiguous? Raise your hand. A little bit of um. And how many of you, the people around you in your life, thought you were crazy when you told them what God led you to do? What well, you felt? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He does that on purpose. Why? Because sometimes God wants to do a new thing in you. A new thing through you. And he's got to separate you from where you are to where he wants you to be. And Abram's situation, he needed to separate Abram from his idolatrous family, from his idolatrous culture. He had to get Abram away from all the influences that were causing him to be identified as Abram the moon worshiper. And he wanted to shape him into Abram, listen to this, The father of faith to a Jewish nation which had not even been invented yet. And the lineage, the bloodline of the Messiah, the Son of God, that was going to save the entire world. Abraham couldn't have known that. All he heard was a voice that said, leave your country, your family, your father's household, 
to a land that I will show you. But then he tags this amazing promise onto it as like the carrot, right? I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will, not you, Abram. I will make your name great. And you shall be, and you shall be a blessing. This isn't materialism. This isn't uh, a bless me gospel. God is saying, I want to reveal my glory to the human race, and I need to do it through somebody. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to exalt you. I'm going to make your name great so that through you, I can show the human race my goodness and bless all the families in the earth. Isn't that amazing? And so what did Abram do? I love this. Verse 4. Everybody say these three words with me. Verse 4. So, come on. So Abram departed. Yeah, you can keep going. I like that. So Abram departed. Let's go ahead. As the Lord had spoken to him. That's it. As the Lord. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. How many of you have ever departed, left your station in life, your job, your city, your extended family, a company, a ministry, a friendship, a relationship you knew was not from the Lord and was dragging you down and pulling you back, was not enhancing your spiritual walk with the Lord? How many of you have ever left, departed, because of what God has said to you? Raise your hand. (laughs) See, God wants partnership. He will give you a little bit at a time. He'll give you like little little stones. You don't know what the next stone is going to be. You see, you know, all you can see is the stone that you're on right now, the path that you're on right now, but where's the next one? And it's like he wants you to start obeying, and then all of a sudden it illuminates you. Oh, it's over there. And you go to the next one, it illuminates. Oh, it's over there. But see, we want to see our five-year plan. We want to see the end from the beginning. Rarely does God allow us to do that. Why? Say it out loud, what? It doesn't build trust. God is after developing your and my trust. But then he screws up. We look down at verse 8. I want to show you that he went, he departed, he got to the place of Canaan. He got to the destination. He got to the land. In verse 8 it says, And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ea on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. He made it. He did it. He made it to the destination that God had called him to. And he worshipped God there. But guess what happened? In verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land. And Abraham went down to Egypt to dwell there for the famine was severe in the land. Abraham obeyed God. He stepped out as the Lord said. 
He did a great job at first. It was a great start. But then, physical circumstances, a famine. That's a serious deal. Famine, that's a big word. I mean, people are starving all around them. There's a famine throughout the land, and it was severe. So, of course, it's natural. You don't have to pray about that one, right? We got to get out of here. We got to go someplace where there's not a famine. That's logical. And so he leaves. But he didn't leave by the direction of the Lord. Sometimes God will say to you, leave. Other times God will say to you, stay. Mm hmm. Uh huh. I remember this one time I had this job here in San Diego. I was managing three stores and I hated it. I would wake up and I'd have such anxiety through my shoulders and my neck and my back. I mean, just the thought of going to work like gave me so much anxiety that I could, I did. I remember on my knees one time in my apartment, my one bedroom apartment, you know, 24 year old kid. And I'm, I'm just saying, God, I can't, I can't go to work one more day. I hate it. Anybody ever felt that way before? Come on, raise your hand. Be honest. <laughs> so I went to my brother who was uh, my partner in the business, and I said, I, I, I'm, I'm done with this. I came to San Diego. I came to L.A. with a, with a Christian rock band. I came to be a famous drummer. We're gonna, that's what I came out here for. I didn't come down here for this. I just came down and asked you for a job because I needed some money because I was living on the beach in Santa Monica. And that got old really fast, sneaking into campsites to take showers. And me and my dog were living in my car. And we're, we're couch surfing with people in L.A. And, and uh, you know, you can only do that for so long. And so I come down to San Diego, my brother gives me a job, and we get embroiled into a hellacious situation because I didn't know that he turned his back on God. And so the blessing wasn't on the business, and so that I'm the only employee of the company. And, and it's just, oh, it was murderous, man. I was like, how did I get involved in this? But guess what? The whole thing was God's plan. The whole thing was God's plan. Many, many, many times you will think you're off the grid. You'll think you're off the beaten path. You, you somehow ended up four-wheeling and got yourself jammed up in some ravine somewhere. And you wonder, how the heck did I end up here? Everything was going so perfectly. And all of a sudden, I just got knocked off the path. I was talking to a young man recently at a conference here in San Diego. We were having lunch. And he started mentioning how he used to be the youth pastor of this, this rocking church here in San Diego, and then after five years, he ended up uh, having to quit, and he's now the manager of a camp, a sixth grade camp out in Hamul, and he just looked dejected and rejected, and like he had somehow failed, and he's, and I said, well, tell me about the job, and he started telling me about, he said, yeah, it's really not in my wheelhouse, you know, but I'm learning how to administrate, and I'm learning how to hire and fire, and I'm learning how to do this and that, and I said, oh, you're right where God wants you. He said, what? I said, yeah, nobody that I've ever read in the Bible or that I've ever talked to in life that has walked with God for any time at all has a straight line. Nobody's lifeline is straight with God. It's always a zigzag. I mean, here's Moses. Moses is going to be the next Pharaoh of Egypt. He's going to be the ruler of the most powerful nation on earth. 
How does he end up being a shepherd on the backside of the desert for 40 years? And how could that ever even come close to being part of God's plan? You know he's out there in the desert for 40 years with remorse, thinking I screwed up. I killed a man. I was, thought I was doing the right thing, protecting my people. When I found out that I was Jewish and I was adopted, and so that I was trying to protect my Jewish brothers because they were slaves, and they were being mistreated, and I killed an Egyptian and buried him in the sand. How did I murder somebody? How did I end up all the way out? Not that it was God's plan that he murdered somebody, but he ends up out in the desert for 40 years. There's no way he thought he was still in God's divine plan. Little did he know that he was going to have to know that desert like the back of his hand because he was going to shepherd over 3 million people through that desert for another 40 years and bring them into the promised land. He had to, God had to work into Moses the heart of a shepherd. When he was younger, And he realized he was called to be a leader. He did it with an iron fist and he killed a man. And God was like, I need to tenderize your heart. But boy, did he come back in power. Whoo! Dropping 10 plagues on Egypt. Come on. Anybody with me today? You all still here? Where are you on the zigzag? Are you somewhere over here? Are you guys, you're out here? You think you're all the way off the reservation? You might be right where God wants you to be. He's developing and training you into a man and a woman of trust. Abraham goes down to Egypt. And he is moved by circumstance, not by the voice of God. Huge mistake. And he goes down to the Egypt... And then, of course, his wife is a babe, and so he's afraid that the men are going to want her and kill him. So he says, it's my sister, which was half true because it was his half-sister. Don't want to have to go into that. But <clears throat> so he lies about the other part. It's my bride. Okay. And so then God doesn't like that, and so uh, he, he, he gets into trouble. So he's moved by fear. He's moved by natural circumstances, and he gets all jammed up. But look what happens once he gets back on track. It says in verse, chapter 13, verse 3, and he went on his journey from Egypt, from the south, as far as Bethel, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning. He did this whole loop out of fear, not the direction of the Lord. But he ends up right back where God had him the first time. Isn't God patient and isn't he good? I mean, when Abraham showed back up, God didn't say, all right, you knucklehead, you done with that? You know, he lets us squirrel around and do it our own way and think we know best and operate in a conventional way. God's trying to teach Abram, trust me. I know it looks bad right now, but just stay here. And check this out. His son did the exact same thing. But here's what's great about Isaac. When it was Isaac's turn to trust God, like his dad, 
it says that there was a great famine in the land, more severe than in the days of Abram. But do you know what the Bible says about Isaac? And God says to Isaac, don't go to Egypt. (laughs) Isn't that great? He could have said, like your dad, okay? So he stayed in Gerar. But God should have said, oh yeah, and by the way, and don't lie about your wife being your sister. Because that's exactly what he did. He did the same thing his dad did. But look what it says about Isaac. I love this. Even though he did that lie thing, he did stay where God told him to stay. He didn't leave. And look at what it says about him. I love this. Genesis 26, verse 12. Now remember, the famine that's in the land is greater than the severe famine that was in Abraham's time. But God said, stay. Remember, sometimes God will say to you, leave. Leave that relationship. Leave that job. Leave the land. Leave that addiction. Leave your unforgiveness and bitterness. Leave your victimhood. Set aside all the weights and the sin that so easily ensnares and run the race looking to Jesus, the author and finish of your faith. Leave that stuff behind so you can run with me. Other times I'll say, stay. I know you hate your job. I know you hate your marriage. I know you hate where you live. I know you hate your church. Stay. Stay, stay, stay. I remember that. God told me to stay in that job. And I mean, I tried to quit. I went, I went to work. I didn't finish the story. I went to work, told my brother, I'm out. I'm a rock drummer. I'm going back to L.A. So we put an ad in the paper. I interviewed the guy. I hired him. He was all excited. Trained him. The day he's supposed to start, his former company gave him twice the salary to get him back. And he went back to his former company. He's like, oh my gosh, man. And so we put another ad in the paper. I hire somebody else, I train them, exact same thing happened. His former company hires them back at twice the salary. I did it a third time. Add in the paper, hired them, trained them. His company hires them back at a higher salary. And my brother looked at me and said, I think God wants you to be the manager of this company. It's like, oh, I want to leave so bad. I stayed. God ended up blowing that thing up in a positive way. It was, we were on television and magazines. Um, <coughs> God did in me, trained, gave me skill sets I needed to have developed there so that I could be your pastor here. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I have one fan. <laughs> He did the same thing in a church in East County. I was out there for 12 years on, on staff. I saw people come and go. I saw people get offended and come and go. I saw people not being recognized so they would come and go. I saw people get sideways with the leadership and come and go. And guess what? I was all those things too. I got offended. I got hurt. Hey, if, you got, if you're in a relationship with somebody, you're going to get hurt. Hurt people hurt people. You've hurt people. People hurt you. The question isn't, are you going to be offended? The question is, what are you going to do with the offense? That's about you. That's your test of character. That's a litmus test. 
of your Christ-likeness is what do you do with offense? I would feel unappreciated. I got offended. I would, I mean, all that stuff. The leadership would make decisions I didn't agree with. Man, I went out of here. I'm done with this. And the Lord said, stay, stay, stay. Be faithful. And the things that were deposited in me and developed in me through stain, I could not have got if I popped. Hope and I, isn't it great to have hope in church? Amen. <sighs> we're halfway through. Going to have a CAT scan, or I mean a PET scan Monday, tomorrow, PET scan. And then uh, surgery, take lymph nodes out, biopsy, that needs to come back. Zero residual. Then a little bit of radiation. And then we get our life back. Where was I? That derailed me for a second. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I said that. I have no idea where I am in my sermon right now. I got distracted. She still flusters me. I got it back. I got it back. After 25 years, it'll be 25 years in November this year, our marriage is better than ever. You can't have a rockin' marriage if you don't stay. You gotta fight through it. And usually it's about you. You gotta fight through you. You're the problem. They are too. They gotta fight through themselves and you gotta fight through yourself because guess what God's character development program is? Marriage. Marriage. And guess what 2.0 is? Kids. Kids. And then I guess grandkids is like the reward for hanging in there. Because from what I've seen, grandparents are a disaster when it comes to uh, raising. Well, they're not raising, if they're not raising. If the grandkids, if the grandparents just get to visit and then, you know, drop them off. (sighs) Unhelpful. From what I've seen, you got to stay. Well, look what happened when Isaac stayed in a famine land. God said, I'm going to bless you here. Yeah, but God, look at the surroundings. Look at the famine. Look at the environment. Look at how they're mistreating me. Look at my marriage. Look at him. Look at her. God, look, I'm going to bless you here. Are you sure we have the right coordinates? Coordinates? I got a concordance and quarter coordinates. Look what it says in a famine land, verse 12. Then Isaac sowed in that land. Famine land, sowed seed and 
dry dirt. That's faith. He's a farmer. Sowed seed in dry dirt. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in that same year. Everybody say same year. The glory of God. God can do anything, anywhere with anybody who will trust him. Isaac sowed in that land, not Egypt. And reaped in that same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. And the man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. I have run out of time and we haven't even gotten to the good stuff yet. Can I have it? All right. He just gave me his preaching. Uh, too, Too late. Too late. Too late. Everybody heard that. Thank you. I want to continue this because the message is God is helping us, helping you grow in faith. It's not all or nothing. It's not black and white. It's a journey. And God picks this pagan moon worshiper and over 25 years of relating to him and working with him, Abraham came to the place where he was fully convinced and God was able to do his full work through What is God telling you to leave today? What has he been saying to you to let go of? Your belief system? If it's contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Your philosophies? Your pride? Bitterness, unforgiveness? A victimized mentality? can't follow God with a poor me mentality. Jesus didn't do that. He got spit on, falsely accused. The Son of God was accused of being demon-possessed, an illegitimately born child out of wedlock, accused of being a deceiver of the people, abandoned by his best friends, forsaken by God on the cross. But he was faithful. He stayed. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad Jesus stayed the course and God was able to reveal his glory through the son of God so that you and I could be saved? What is God telling you to leave so that you can fulfill his destiny in your life? Or where is he telling you to stay? To stay. I know it's hard. Stay. Trust me, I'm developing you into a man and a woman of faith. Let's pray. Let's close your eyes for a moment. Let's let's have a response time here. I believe the Holy Spirit is wanting me to say this to you. I believe he wants you to return to that time that he spoke to you. Someone in here, this is called a word of knowledge. It's in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 12, 14. 
where the Holy Spirit will tell you something specifically, spontaneously about somebody. Someone in here, the Lord spoke to you. You started out well like Abraham. You screwed up, and you think that it's over. That what was, ooh, man. <laughs> oh, my. That what was going to be beautiful is going to be a, just a, a sad second to what it could have been. The Lord wants you to know this morning that He is the Creator God. He is the God, we sang it earlier, don't just sing it, believe it, that He takes what the enemy meant for evil and He turns it to good. God is the restorer. And the, and the biblical definition of restoration is twice, four times, a hundred times what was originally intended. Your screw-ups are not bigger than God's grace. In your weakness, He shows off His strength. That would be the Lord saying to you, let go of remorse. I think He's talking to me right now. Anybody else getting stuck like me right now? With the healing sword of the Lord? Let go of remorse. It's a weight. It's weighing you down. I have new plans for you the Lord is saying to you don't listen to the lies of the enemy listen to the voice of Jesus he just says let's go come follow me God can do greater things with you than you can even imagine Abram had no concept that he was going to be the father of a multitude and that the son of God was going to come through his bloodline. And he screwed up numerous times and yet God still did it. So for some of you, God is telling you to, to leave something. What is it? For some of you, God is telling you to stay. What is it? And for some of you, God is saying, go back to that, that first thing I told you to do. That calling, that assignment. And believe again. Let's all stand. I'm going to ask the prayer teams to come down front. Some of you may like some prayer around this. Maybe there's something or someone or some place that you need to let go of and you need some prayer to have the supernatural power to be able to do that. Let these prayer teams join you in that. Some of you need staying power. Let these prayer teams lay their hands on you and let the power of the Holy Spirit come upon you. That's how I stayed. It was the power of God that stayed me and then made me. Maybe you have sickness or disease in your body 
and it needs to leave and not stay. Let these prayer teams drive that thing out in the name of Jesus and set you free. And maybe you've never given your life to Jesus before. And the Lord is calling you to leave your independence. Leave your unbelief at the door. Give his son Jesus a chance and come to him. You can come down one of these prayer teams and say, I want to ask Jesus into my life. And I promise you, if you will crack the door of your heart and pray that prayer, Jesus will do the rest. Come on, let's worship today. Let's just play one song, Josh. Let's worship him. As people come down for prayer. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. And without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart Lord I need you oh I need you every hour I need you my one defense my righteousness oh God how I need you. Where sin runs deep, your grace is more. Where grace is found, is where you are. And where you Christ in me where you are and where you are Lord I am free holiness is Christ in me